It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. We research, we thoroughly prepare hours on hours for every single episode in the hopes of helping you win your fantasy draft in your fantasy league. But not today. Today, we are not responsible for anything that is said in this show, Hayden, because these are ridiculous predictions that we are about to reveal that have been like festering or growing inside of our brains for the last three months. And we just need to get this weight off our shoulders. Yeah, we're supposed to respect the ADP market, but not today. Today, we're throwing that. This is vibes-based, but a little bit more than that, potentially. But yeah, no, there's no uh, receipts here, This unless we're right. Unless we're right. That is the only qualification here. And if you have ridiculous takes that you don't be, want to be responsible for, you can always leave them down in the comments below. And I truly do not want to hear your comments about how no. preposterous what we're about to say might be. That's the point. Because we're going to get a couple of these right, and it's just to, you know, flip mm -hmm. the entire thing on your head. And maybe the coolest part of this, you have no clue what I'm about to say, and I have no clue what you're mm -hmm. about to say. So hit me with the first one. It's time for the alpha wide receivers to step back into the wide receiver one list. I'm looking at right now, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddle, Chris Olave, Devonta Smith. Good players. Those are typically not the builds of the wide receiver ones that I'm used to in fantasy. Big Mike Williams and DK Metcalf are coming back. They are both going to be top 10 wide receivers. And the reason why is we're scoring touchdowns this year. And I'm looking at DK Metcalf, and he was so unlucky last year. Here he is. He scored two, more than two fewer touchdowns than what his usage would expect. A player that looks like DK Metcalf is not going to be allergic to the end zone. We also have this JSN wrist injury. We don't know what's going to be happening there. And then same thing with Big Mike Williams. We've seen Big Mike Williams be an absolute alpha. Even last year, Big Mike Williams scored more points on average than Chris Olave. Their ADPs could not be further apart. If the Chargers are going to be, they were third in passing yards last year. If we're just expecting more touchdowns and more deep field shots, it's going to Big Mike Williams. So I'm talking about the big, girthy dudes that dominate in the red zone. <laughs> They're making a resurgence. Get out of here with all the 180-pound second-round wide receivers. Yeah, you're just telling Amon Ross St. Brown to, to eat a few steaks and, and kick to the curb. It always stands out to me whenever I go on Pro Football Reference, search by red zone receiving, uh, then go to the tab that says percent of your team's target share inside the 20-yard line. DK Metcalf is six points ahead of the next closest wide receiver or pass catcher, and that's A.J. Brown. Um, I think it was extremely fluky how those did happen. Uh, I don't expect him to be higher up than the next person on, the, on this list, but he still only scored five touchdowns from inside the 20-yard line last year, and a big part of that is because this team was so successful on touchdowns outside of the red zone. I bet that that flips just moving forward just a little bit. Um, and to your point with Mike Williams, everyone's just expecting Quentin Johnson to be the one to like unlock this Kellen Moore snazzy, razzy vertical shot stuff. It could yeah. easily just be big Mike. And I know for a fact, DK Metcalf is scoring some touchdowns. Get out of here with these advertisements. Respect this man. <laughs> okay. 
My first one, uh, let me find the swipe. Juwan Johnson leads all tight ends in touchdowns. Oh, yes. Okay. So back in 2020, Derek Carr had a tight end attached to him who was second in red zone targets among all pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends combined. His name is Darren Waller. And guess who already led the Saints last year in red zone targets? It was Juwan Johnson. He put together a staggering stat line when you compare it to how much or let's say how little he played on the field. 42 of 65 targets he caught for 508 yards and seven touchdowns. And that was with zero games of over 70% snaps in the final seven contests of the year. And prior to that, he had already played six of nine games where he was over 70% of the snaps. And let's keep in mind, that was all with Andy freaking Dalton at quarterback, who is now a backup. As much as I have called Derek Carr's vanilla soft serve in the past, this link up and already getting the usage that we're expecting of inside the 10 yard line, a mismatch weapon, which in a condensed field, that's probably not Chris Olave's game. Juwan Johnson, I think, has a real chance of leading all tight ends in touchdowns this year. I love how this ties back into mind about how Chris Olave can't get in the end zone because he's not a true alpha like DK Metcalf. But I'm with you. Juwan Johnson, when I'm watching tight ends, looks like one of the more athletic tight ends in the entire league. And he is a receiver first, but he has the size now where he actually is going to be a full-time player. So that's the big difference this year. Juwan Johnson, I'm with you, could really play. I moved him up significantly in my rankings top 15 player for me at the position. You can get Juwan Johnson all the way down as the tight end 19 at the beginning beginning or the end of the 14th round he is almost like the yin to the chris olave yang and mm-hmm. i don't know if we can expect mike thomas to be that anymore yeah mixed reports on mike thomas new orleans football they are predicting juan johnson to be the sleeper fantasy guy on that team all right send another one my way cooper cup beats the receiving uh receptions record by a 10 so i think this is going to be a absolutely nuclear Cooper Cup season. I'm looking at it from 2021 to 2022. He's already on pace for 148 receptions over a 17 game sample in losses that jumps up to 155. This defense, I'm not sure if we've appreciated this, and we've seen it already a couple of times in the preseason. How horrendous, yeah. horrendous is an appropriate word. And that's with Aaron Donald. If Aaron Donald misses time or something happens with him, they are going to be talking about 11 starters that probably would not start on all the other teams. Cooper Cup is going to be eating in garbage time. I would say probably his fourth quarter receptions also will probably be a record out there. I don't think they have other volume hogs. They're hoping Van Jefferson or Tyler Higby can do that, but they don't have the receiving running back. They like Kyron Williams because he can pass protect, not catch passes. Cam Akers has never really been that guy. There's a chance that Cooper Cup is like averaging like 12 targets uh, per game and catches about nine or 10 of them. I think this can be an absolutely ludicrous and uh, lucrative season for Cooper Cup. If he's available beyond pick three, I'm snagging him. You're able to get the number one wide receiver in points per game over the last two seasons individually as either the wide receiver three or wide receiver four. And my favorite player to draft in every single round, you had this bonkers stat of that people keep mentioning, oh, what if you know Matthew Stafford is bad or the Rams are just bad overall? I don't Good. know if you have this in front of you, but even when that was the case last season, when the Rams, you know, had a bit of a slump after winning the Super Bowl, Cooper Cup was still going bananas and he was still going bonk- bonkers. So, like, while I often talk about, hey, I like good players in good offenses, um, Cooper Cup has also, you know, made that statement look a bit foolish because he can be the only one that matters when the rest and everyone else does not matter. 
Yeah, through week nine last year, they were 29th in scoring on offense, and Cooper Cup was the wide receiver one, absolutely smashing everybody. Yeah. It's go time. I, I nearly brought two Rams takes to the party here today. The first one being that Matthew Stafford ends up as a top 15 quarterback, because mm-hmm. right now you're able to get him as quarterback 24. To me, if Matthew Stafford, and I understand why he might not, lasts 17 games, he is going to eclipse the yep. quarterback 24. Uh, and then the other one was about Cam Akers where I I don't know if Cam Akers finishes the season as the Rams' best running back or, like, their lead running back. Uh, now, the people are going to ask, like, well, who it might be. Heck, I may even throw in Ronnie Rivers' name to the yeah. equation. But I don't know if I can remember the storyline and career arc that we have seen so far with Cam Akers and the Los Angeles Rams and then this ending happily ever after as, like, a breakout running back this season. He's the definition of dead zone running back, not Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce. I like that. Okay. Not all these are going to be positive. I'll throw a, uh, a negative one at you because uh, some of you can't handle the truth. Justin Fields finishes outside the top 10 quarterbacks this season. There's a world where Justin Fields does not take a step as a passer. And if he's the same guy that we saw last year, then that's a problem as a thrower. There was a seven-game stretch, yes, where he won you every single week, where he was scoring more than 23 points on average or in every single one of those. There's also a five-game span where he averaged 9.4 fantasy points. I've talked so much about Justin Fields this offseason and the issues he's had in allowing pressures to turn into sacks. Like No quarterback has a higher rate of that in their first two seasons of their NFL career. And as much as I love Justin Fields, sacks can definitely be a quarterback stat and not just an offensive line stat. And Hayden, that's very apparent when you're watching Fields as a player. So for this to happen, his rushing numbers would have to really regress. And that's, I think, probably your main point is like, even as athletic and a freak as Justin Fields is, 70-yard touchdowns, probably not that sticky. Let, let me throw some numbers at you. He had touchdown runs last year of 61 yards, 56 yards, and 67 yards. Those simply do not happen at the yeah. quarterback position. Justin Fields also had the most rushing yards ever for a quarterback on runs of 20 or more yards, mm. 429. So, like, yes, we have seen quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and, and Cam Newton, and we can go back to – I don't know, the Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick days of like, hey, they can pick up 20 yards. They're not turning those, as you said, into 56-yard gains and then adding another six points on top of it for a touchdown. And those long runs and those 1,000-yard rushing seasons really overlooked and overshadowed just how bad he was as a passer last year. It's fact. I'm allowed to say this on the show. I really like Justin Fields, but I'm allowed to say this. 20th in passing points per attempt and 40th in passing points Per game among those top five quarterbacks and heck even top nine quarterbacks. I think he probably has the most flaws of that entire group. Well, instead of drafting them, I have some quarterback takes Jalen hurts and Lamar Jackson. Both have top five fantasy quarterback seasons of all time. And Lamar Jackson's already number one on that list. Going back to that 2019 MVP season, he averaged over 28 points per game, which is absolutely ludicrous. His target leaders that season, it was second year Mark Andrews, rookie year Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed, and Nick Boyle. This group is like five times better than that group. And we think that this offense is going to play faster than what Lamar's ever, ever played with. I know that there's been up and down training camp reports, but Lamar Jackson with weapons, we quite frankly have never seen it before. So I think that his ceiling is already astronomical. And then Jalen Hurts last year, he was six all-time in quarterback points per game. 
in fantasy points by quarter, 92 in the first quarter, 158 in the second quarter, 70 in the third quarter, 58 in the fourth quarter. This defense might take a massive step back. Their pressure numbers last year seemed a little bit unsustainable to me. They've lost a lot of starters on that side of the ball. More pass attempts for Jalen Hurts and more quarterback rushing. This is the difference between your old school Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady uh, fantasy seasons and what the new ball looks like. We're having aliens at the top of the quarterbacks now. I have a take on top of your take. It involves Lamar Jackson. It's that Zay Flowers finishes as the, as the top rookie wide receiver and a top 24 overall wide receiver this year. Because okay. to your point, we know that the Ravens are going to throw more and we know that how good Lamar Jackson was back when he won the MVP. Everyone on site with eyes on the ground at Ravens practice is saying that Zay Flowers is the one that's unguardable. And that's compared to, you know, Rashad Bateman, who, as much as I like him, is still a complete unknown who has bounced in every single season he has played. And Odell Beckham, who was great the last time he was on the field, but that was about 18 months ago. Mm. So we'll see more spacing. We'll see more blades of grass being used by Todd Monken in this offense, more throwing just in general, as you pointed out. And I think Zay Flowers is maybe that one. Obviously, we love to draft Mark Andrews, but we probably haven't talked enough about Zay Flowers this offseason because if Lamar Jackson hits the peak that you're talking about, it's yeah. going to be more than just Mark Andrews doing it. It certainly will. And that, I think that's part of the thing. There's so much excitement. All three of those guys have upside. It's weird because they're all Yeah, but you can totally easily different. poke in. Yeah, you can poke yes. the holes in Rashad all Bateman and Odell. But then this mystery box, mm -hmm. it could be glorious. Yeah, no, I agree. So one of these guys is balling. I, I, I still have no idea which one. Okay, hit me with one now. All these small running backs, could we just not? This is the National Football League. So I think all of them are just going to bust. Let me rip through a couple names here. Jameer Gibbs in round three. I think that he gets matched with David Montgomery. Devon Achain round 10. He goes first in my points per point gunner league. Right now, Jarek McKinnon, round 11. He averages five touches per game. Kenneth Gainwell, round 12. What's really changed? We Same roles as always. Deuce Vaughn's a round 16 player. He's probably going to play more special team snaps than offense. Here's my rule. If I want my running back group, the one that I drafted, to beat your running back in a cage match, I want the thickest, baddest dudes on the planet. <laughs> We're talking about half PPR in the National Football League. These guys have to take a beating. I think on average last year, the top 20 fantasy running backs on average weighed 220 pounds. Only two exceptions, Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey, two of the best all-time receiving options and the best offenses in the league. And since they came in the league, they packed on a ton of weight. These rookies and small dudes get out of here. Where does like James Cook fall in that line for you? I almost put him on the list, but he's uh, his ADP is actually not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think James Cook's an interesting example of this because I believe at the NFL Combine or his pro day, he weighed like 199 pounds. And then now Buffalo lists him at like 190 pounds. Yeah. Like we don't necessarily know like the weight of all these guys, but I think your point can be made with like, again, the Kenny Gainwells, the Jarek McKinnons, the Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Peter Where are King they going? Out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the Deuce Vaughn stuff is like it's so preseason to me. It is so preseason to me. Like, what about? Are we trying to recreate Darren Sproles, a truly one of a kind player who's like should be on everyone's list of like should be in the Hall of Fame in terms right. of just joy because he can never be imitated ever again. And that was also in the perfect offense for his skill set projectable volume week one projectable volume we don't talk about it the small guys have the projectable volume they can't last as much as i do really like james cook um the thought also can't get out of my head that like hey when they do get to the five yard line in week one boom there goes latavius murray i know 
<laughs> it won't go away. Uh, I'll go with a, a, a running back take here and give you Kenneth Walker ends the season as a top 10 overall running back in fancy points per game. Everyone out there, no, he can't do that. They spent a second round pick on Zach Charbonnet, near equal value of the draft capital they spent on Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker finishes the running back 14 in points per game last season. And that includes six games where you saw less than 60% of his team's offensive snaps. He had just two touchdowns inside of the 10-yard line, while also apparently being like the least efficient runner in the NFL by whatever metrics the nerds are using now. With those in mind, even if Zach Charbonnet takes, you know, 60% of inside the 10-yard line work, what are we losing? We're not losing anything with Kenneth Walker. We're losing two touchdowns because to me, when the offensive line gels and those first-year players become second-year players and the group of five continues to work together, that is going to eliminate some of these awful runs where he had 31.1% success rate and was 60th in the league in that, or 23.7% of his carries failed to gain yardage, which he was 63rd. That to me can be equally an offensive line stat than a running back stat. It was for sure an offensive line stat. And also could, could these young players have make some improvements in the second year? Like we always talked about the second year breakout. It, is Kenneth Walker always going to be this bad in, in with vision and stuff? I, I don't think so. So I, I'm with you here. Any, any of these Seahawks stats I love. I like Zach Charbonnet. I've also thought in preseason, he's looked a bit Slow. stiffer, mm-hmm. stiffer um, than I expected. He certainly does not have the explosiveness that mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker does. Peter King mentioned that he went up to Seattle Seahawks camp. And we know that Pete Carroll is the eternal optimist, but said that they've just been slow playing it with this injury. And he's going to be totally fine for week yeah. one. And he's going to be a significant player in week one. And now with Jackson Smith and Jigba hurt, the Seahawks, I believe, have a week four by. Um, maybe they even hold them out or slow mm-hmm. play him until that extra bye week. And that means we get back to multiple tight end sets, some more running looks, and then shot plays over top. And Kenneth Walker can be the dude in all of those dynamics. Even on the sideline on that long Charbonnet run in preseason week two, you see Kenneth Walker at the end of it jumping up and down, knees going over his head. His groin looks fine to me. He's fine. You're All nice. right, let's keep the running back train going. Joe Mixon finishes third in running back receptions. Love it. He was already fifth last year. His backup running back situation is significantly worse. His tight end room is significantly worse. And Bill Barnwell, friend of the show over at ESPN, had this fantastic stat. He was just looking at the defenses and how often they were facing the starting quarterback. And the Titans, they faced the starting quarterback on 99% of their uh, defensive snaps. The Bengals face their quarterback one on only 54% of their snaps. Their schedule is going to be significantly harder on defense for the Bengals because they're actually going to be playing, you know, in the best division in football, arguably in the AFC North. I think that there's a chance that the Bengals take a big step back on defense. They lost a lot of star players there. And if that's the case, there's going to be a ton of checkdowns. And if Joe Mixon get this third down role, I don't think we're giving enough credit for how much catches Joe Mixon has and the upside that brings. Joe Burrow doesn't care. If he sees two eye shells, it's going down yeah. to Joe Mixon. And we're going to see that over and over again. And I'm not sure if we're, we can bank on Chris Evans, Travion Williams. Maybe they can be Samaj P. Run. But there's probably a better chance that there is no Samaj P. Run. Joe Mixon could even add 10, 20 more receptions this year. And if my brain is working correctly, we didn't get full season Jamar Chase and T. Higgins last year. Mm-hmm. So we could see even more two high shells than they saw last season. And if that's the case, to your point, Joe Mixon can just eat underneath. And it's very much on my radar. This was a potential one for me as well, where 
these backfields that have been heavily used in recent years that have clear top talents in Joe Mixon and in Nick Chubb have not brought in any kind of veteran presence, even though both of their perceived backups have been hurt in for the Bengals, Travion Williams, for the Browns and Jerome Ford. Maybe that's because those front offices don't want to spend more on the running back position, or maybe it's because those workhorse alphas that have already been drafted in the top two rounds in many previous years are now going to get even more work in passing yeah. situations and third downs and go all in. And if that's the case, we could be in store for, I don't know, a number one overall season for Nick Chubb. And yeah. as you're saying, a top 12 overall season for Joe Mixon potential. I think potentially way higher than that for Mixon. Ooh, okay. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Uh, I'll stick with that Browns thread and throw out that Kevin Stefanski gets fired after the season. Damn. Stick with me here. Zach Jackson of The Athletic on August 15th. The passing game has been completely unimpressive. Anything that involves Deshaun Watson remaining in the pocket has been an adventure and not since early camp have we seen strings of consecutive completions in any 11-on-11 period. I'll continue this quote. There just hasn't been much consistency, and there hasn't been much of anything more than 10 yards down the field. Watson threw bad interceptions after getting caught locking in on one receiver every day of joint practices. I'll repeat, not since early in camp have we seen strings of consecutive completions. I talked about Justin Fields having maybe more holes in his profile than the top nine quarterbacks. I should have said the top eight because I think we can easily poke holes in quarterback nine to Sean Watson right now based mm -hmm. on his finish to the 2022 season and just everyone's assumption that it's just naturally going to improve, including mine, in 2023. But what if he and Kevin Stefanski just do not see eye to eye? If that is the case in terms of scheme, in terms of concepts, in terms of verbiage, everything, Deshaun Watson's not going anywhere. His contract is glued to the Cleveland Browns for years to come, and that means Kevin Stefanski is the one that has to jettison out of town. Yeah, that's the exact reason why this could happen. What I noticed in the preseason, uh, he looked good scrambling, and it looked like the Browns had a plan to like get his mobility like as a part of the offense. I didn't necessarily think that like everything was on time and stuff. And that was his issue last year is he was holding the ball on to longer than he has before, but at the same time, also not throwing the ball downfield. That just means his eyes and his ability to read the field gel with the offense wasn't there last year. The hope is the offseason fixes that. But 
as we saw here, not the most promising. Do you take Anthony Richardson over Deshaun Watson? No, I mean, Hayden, everyone knows this. I've been drafting a ton of Deshaun Watson this offseason, but they can go either way. This is, hey, no one is speaking about this, and this is a potential outcome that I I think is possible. And look, that article is from August 15th, so about a week ago. Um, Amari Cooper hasn't practiced in full in training camp, so there's areas where things can change. But I tried to look at, like, I don't know, the top 50, top 75 players and try to find, like, this year's Gabe Davis of just, like, the assumption that we're making a gigantic leap heading into year two based on something that previously happened. And my eyes just kind of locked in on Deshaun Watson Mm -hmm. because it was brutal at the end of last year based on everything in camp that you're reading that hasn't totally done a 180. And if that's the case, I highly doubt they go into 2024 together. Yeah, I agree with that, man. It's such an intriguing offense. Um, I got one more good quarterback one. Aaron Rodgers just beats Tua in fantasy points this year. Like, if you ta- if we removed ourselves from this fantasy football bubble, everybody would be like, yeah, of course, Aaron Rodgers. But they are not being close uh, in drafts right now. The Dolphins O-line could be a mess if Teron Armstead is banged up. He said, he told Tyreek Hill that he's just old. It's not that he's really injured. He's just old, which is what I was like, that's not good for your best offensive lineman to be saying. It's a really fragile skill group. They have two complete studs. I think there's going to be more emphasis on the ground game for the Dolphins, and I think that's bad news for Tua. But most importantly, last year's offense was something that we had never seen before in the NFL. And I thought it took a couple months for defenses to figure it out. We had never seen that much play action and RPOs over the middle of the field at deeper parts of the field. Once defenses started making adjustments, that went away. The problem with that for Tua is Tua is an accurate, on-time, pre-snap reader of the football field. Post-snap, trying to make plays on the move, throwing the ball on the outside. That's where his flaws are. All of a sudden, if we get these defenses to make some adjustments here going into this this season, I think Tua is going to have some problems. But more importantly than that, Aaron Rodgers is just happy in New York. I know that his offensive line also has some issues. Yes. But I... But they might put Becton at right tackle, and that might be an upside play. I like them at least attempting that. But Aaron Rodgers being happy with this skill group, like they go like four or five wide receivers deep. I like their tight end group. We love their running back group. Him just being happy, I think, is like a huge difference. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers just a couple of seasons ago put up some ludicrous numbers. So give me Rodgers over Tua straight up. The Tua dynamic is a difficult one to have a conversation with online because the supporters are extremely vocal and I am not one of these people that just hates on RPOs and the way that Tua runs them is incredible. Like he is so quick. He is so precise and, you know, breaking down that offense with Josh McCown was one of the highlights of my season last year, but it's another one where we finished 2022 with questions unanswered. And I don't know how much we can have those questions answered until week one hits what's the counter punch what happens when he does take hits as we've seen the preseason he's falling differently you know what if as you said the blueprint is out there for not everything to be funneled towards the middle of the field and the intermediate and deeper portions to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle lots of questions at the same time I can make plenty of arguments and poke holes in the uh, Aaron Rodgers 2023 mm-hmm. season too I would just rather bet on the talent of Aaron Rodgers Okay, you brought two more to the table, so give me another take you're not responsible for. I think the everyone drafting six wide receivers through like round nine 
as a bit is just not going to work out in best ball mania right now. This is a great tweet. Um, so there was this data bowl that on Peter Overzet's channel, they went through and a lot of nerds out there went through and the, the Falcon, best nerds. the bet like way better nerds than me. We went through this stuff and this was a takeaway. BBM fours current ADP through 10 rounds would have been the sixth heaviest wide receiver room in all of best ball mania three. So what's happening on average is one of the most outlier situations we saw from last year, which was already more wide receiver heavy than normal. I think this is going to be people chasing their tail a little bit because Josh Jacobs was the guy that you need. And obviously the zero RB teams would benefit from a situation like that. I think we've pushed this too far. My thing right now is I'm getting in and I'm getting out. I want four decent wide receivers, but I am not drafting a fifth, a sixth, a seventh good one. And I see a lot of these teams have like 10 wide receivers after drafting a bunch of them. So I think this tier of Joe Mixon, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, for example, this dead zone, they've been pushed back at such an extreme that the wide receivers being drafted right next to these running backs, I think are going to get their ass kicked in projections. And I think more players are going to be using the flex position on running backs this year than ever. And I think that we have overreacted to the wide receiver prices. It doesn't make sense to me if you spend, let's say, six of your first 10 picks on wide receivers, why you're taking any more, more, you yeah. know, especially if you're taking three in the top four rounds or four in the top five rounds. Like why, what, why keep going into there other than seeing at the end, you have a two, six, eight, two build, mm -hmm. right? Like it seems like overinvestment, but what I have also loved is the long time zero running back truthers are now into hero running back double balance, hero running yeah. back and so if that succeeds great i pivoted if it doesn't oh we told you zero running back always wins it's the best of both worlds yeah um i have something since you got after the nerds um i'll go after all the film grinders and just people out there in general okay um i think arguing about players on twitter is the biggest waste of time <laughs> why we have jobs <laughs> so be careful here. no 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 i mean on twitter i think it's oh, the biggest yeah. waste of time and this is coming from someone who I don't know, seven years ago, was arguing about Zach Dysart and Taewon Taylor on that hellscape of a website. There's no point in going in circles and just repeating the same information over and over and over again. Just say your stance, why you believe it, and move say, on. hey, it's okay if we disagree, and move on. Yeah, the good news now is you can just either draft these guys or not. Like, whether you're right or not is irrelevant. When we We're not going to know. Of draft. We can do hundreds of drafts. If you believe in it, just go do more drafts. On, yeah. Use promo code We're the show while, while you're at it. We're not going to know. Okay. You have one more that at least I have a player swipe for. Yes. Last one. Sam Darnold's going to start more games than Brock Purdy from week 14 on. So I think this is a little bit measured take where this could just be the elbow starts acting up after more reps or that just he doesn't perform as well as he did last year with Brock Purdy. What I noticed with Sam Darnold in this preseason is they're giving him less of the Mickey Mouse kind of dropbacks, less of the bootleg, less of the play action. He's playing with none of the weapons. Like he doesn't get Debo Samuel yards after the catch stuff with the second team. And I thought he's played pretty dang well. And they basically removed Trey Lance from their imagination. Rightfully so. He looks like he could be a healthy scratch with the way he's playing. Sam Darnold, I'm seeing him throw on to the sidelines. I'm seeing him play on the move a little bit. He can scramble. He's got size. He went to a fantastic college. He's got the pedigree. And it seems like Shanahan's kind of had this like little uh, infatuation with Sam Darnold. And I think the whole NFL kind of has that somebody's going to figure him out. We saw him play some good ball. So I think there could be some reps where all of a sudden Sam Darnold looks the part. And I do think if Sam Darnold gets the opportunity, 
I think that he would shine in this offense, like all things considered, because he would get some of the schemed up stuff that is that he hasn't had in his NFL career. And that's gave him fits and why he's throwing some interceptions. But I also think that he does have the arm talent, the ability to throw uh, down the field and to the sideline that we haven't necessarily seen from this offense. And I do wonder if Shanahan's going to be like, okay, a little bit more of the mobility, a little bit more of the uh, downfield passing. And that could be like the final thing that unlocks the 49ers. So basically what you're saying is that instant reaction video that we did when Sam Darnold signed for the San Francisco 49ers, I was correct. The instant reaction free agent video that we did when Sam Darnold signed with the 49ers, and I did one of these, mm-hmm. that, hey, where he was in terms of 12th most money or 15th most yeah, money on the team, um, you crapped all over that opinion. Now you're a believer. that he. Well, I mean, this was Trey Lance insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, more so, it was believing that he's going to be there than Trey Lance, but it was very much Brock Purdy insurance. There's no way around it. Any like Trey Lance optimism from early on this offseason, you can't believe it anymore. Like the offseason no. move, and like he had he's played terrible football in the preseason. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you that when Sam has come to the ball games, they are running more outside the numbers, intermediate and deeper routes, and the timing is there. And Cal's like, oh, I can call these now. I don't want to read too much into, you know, a bunch of the misdirection, heavy play action stuff that Brock Purdy did in the screens, obviously, because one, it's his first game back after sure. elbow surgery. No doubt in my mind. I mean, this this isn't even a flaming take where uh, it would be Sam Darnold's job if if something happens to Brock Purdy. I have a couple of quick ones like Dave Montgomery's easily and unequivocally going to outscore Jameer Gibbs. The Dave Montgomery ADP right now is reflective on the total lack of snaps that he's seen in the preseason. And so because preseason changes ADP so much, we have no basis or something to latch onto of how they're going to use these players interchangeably because that we've only seen Jameer Gibbs. And that's why now he just keeps on climbing. And yet, David Montgomery is the one that I think is more likely to lead this team in touchdowns next year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I have him back to back in my rankings. And truthfully, if David Montgomery was going ahead of him, I would be drafting him ahead of him. Kyle Pitts finishes outside the top 10 tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, JT O'Sullivan did a great video on Desmond Ritter's second preseason game. There's this cool mesh play where typically on mesh players cross each other. And it's just to confuse the middle of the field defense. Yet Arthur Smith, despite how awful his press conferences were, uh, instead of continuing on those routes, he allowed one to get a little bit deeper. Um, however, at the start of it, it's a motion man off play action. And it is Cal Pitts, who is the decoy and doesn't even get to run a route inside of the 20 yard line. This just continues on the same exact usage that we've talked about with Cal Pitts previously of, well, he's just going to score more touchdowns because he's an elite talent. Mm-hmm. Not if he's being given the opportunities to do so. Mm-hmm. I use the term gold standard you know, usage and part of the passing game. He has been eclipsed by Drake London and B. John Robinson in the totem pole. And at best, he's third in that team right now. Yeah, I think it just comes down to Drake London's really good. Like people underestimate just I think Drake London could be viewed as a top 10 actual real life NFL wide receiver this next season. Anything else? Do you feel better? I feel better. Got this out of my out of my system. Just quick, quick question for you. Which first round pick is the guy that you need? And then do you have like a the guy that you need? Like, is it Justin Jefferson? Is it Cooper Cup? Like, like, do you think that AJ Brown goes crazy here? Is it Travis Kelsey repeats again? Like if you could pick the spot in the draft and get that guy, which which combination would it be? 
I mean, I, I think this is a ludicrous question to throw at me in the final minute of the show. Uh, just because I really want you to be wrong, uh, I'm going to say Bijan Robinson. <laughs> okay, I wish you luck. <laughs> uh, it would be Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson. It is nice that Cooper Cup now, his ADP aligns where you can go Cooper Cup, like Tony Pollard, yeah. and then Ramondre. Like that to me is pretty sweet. That's gold. A lot of mine were negative. It's because all my positives are like now obvious. Like, I was going to have Darren Waller finishes as a top three tight end, but then, you know, they were too good. (laughs) They were were way too good. I threw out the take. I went back and watched our our first week of May videos, and I threw out that take during the tight end episode of that. Um, And then Damian Pierce finishing top 10 in rushing touchdowns, top 10 in rushing yards, because he basically did the rushing yards part last season. Yeah. And the Texans are just going to score more touchdowns this year. Yeah, for me, our guy for the football show this year is Damian Pierce. So anything positive about him. And then my secondary one is all the Luke Musgrave. Just keep on believing. Believe, believe, believe. It'll happen. All right. That'll do it. From now on, at the end of 35 minutes, we are now only going to give you thoroughly well-researched and firm takes that we 100% believe these we were not responsible for. These do not carry over into any other episodes beyond this point or comment sections after this. But if you have some, the safe space is down below. You can leave it in the comments. If we are right, they do come out. We will. For sure. these. Yeah. I'll brag. We earned one. We earned a, well, you shouldn't argue on Twitter. You should 100% take victory laps, which I definitely do. Good. Summer of 59 all right that's gonna do it be sure to hit that subscribe button we have some awesome content headed your way in the next four days very specific videos for certain platforms that you are drafting outside of underdog whether it be yahoo sleeper espn whatever it is we'll have videos helping you dominate your drafts and your friends up the villa we'll talk to y'all soon